This is Dr. Benny Tate, and I would like to thank you for tuning in to this week's message at Rock Springs Church. Wherever you are, I hope this message encourages you and helps you grow in your walk with God. Here's this week's message from Rock Springs Church. So Paul said this in Colossians chapter 3. He's talking to the Colossian people, which he had never met before, but he's coaching them on how to live this new Christian life. He says, we'll pick up right in the middle of verse 9. He said, For you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Now that's a tough thing to do. Then in verse 10 he said, So why don't you just strip this old nature off and put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for the privilege we have to look into your word and grow from it. Thank you for the privilege we've had to worship. Now, God, we're excited about how you're going to instruct our hearts. Help us to be more like you and to not leave this place like we came. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. I want to talk to you today about a subject entitled, What Not to Wear. Now, obviously, I am no fashion, uh, you know, guru. I, I'm really not. If, and the more you knew me and the people that are around me, they know that I can wear things that don't match at all. Um, I, I, it just doesn't, for one, it doesn't bother me. I, I honestly don't half care. Uh, but two, I don't even know. Like, I really don't know that you're walking by going, what in the devil does he have own. Like, I ju it just doesn't, it, I, it doesn't register for me that I look uh, bad. I struggle to match socks and, you know, like I just, I just pretty, uh, you know, blue, white. Like I know white goes with everything. So like, I, I just keep it simple. I, I just don't know. But, and especially when I really look at what is fashionable in the world, I am more confused and less assured that I have any idea of what is fashionable. I was looking up some pictures today and I saw all this fashion uh, model here and I thought what in the devil is what is that like uh, Martian gloves she's got on and, and her and her giant dad's coat I don't know and, and a prom dress with a sweater it's like what I, I mean the, the, the next guy I, I look at I'm like somebody spray painted your coat bro like you you can't see out of those shades and you don't even know it like they've spray painted it I, I, I see this and I see like what what's happening like what in the world nothing you have on matches like I don't even know what is going on and I would want to wear that mask too if I was wearing that. Uh, I mean, like, I see what's coming. Here's some more things that's coming to Easter 2023. This is bunny suit coming up with the circle. I don't, I guess you tic-tac-toe. I, I don't know really what's happening, but if you're, if you're really looking for comfort, this is the comfort wear that's coming down the pipe. You know, like you could wear this and sleep anywhere. Like, like you wear this at night, you never have a crick in your neck because this, no matter where you're, you're, you're good. So, um, you know, this girl, I mean, I know what they were thinking. Like, we're missing something on this outfit. What are we missing? Bananas. And hey, what makes you think of bananas better than black? 
Like, I don't know, I don't know why, I, just bananas, you throw bananas on the front, and black, like, that's like rotten bananas, like, that's not even good bananas, like, it's, it's rotten, banana pudding can't even use that, it's trash, it's garbage, so, um, what, I mean, and Bieber, like, there's, there's Bieber, he's got the big clods on, I'm like Herman Munster wanting his outfit back, like, He's going to call you, bro. You're going to take that off. Um, so, you know, but, but honestly, this is not a fashion message because if, if that is fashion, well, I have no advice for you. I, I don't know anything. But Paul used the symbolism in Colossians chapter 3 where he began to tell them to strip away their sinful nature. And he began to name their sinful nature, those things. And then he told them to put on, to clothe themselves and put on their new nature. And he was drawing the symbolism because everybody can identify with putting clothes on, hopefully. Uh, you know, everybody ought to be able to identify that this morning when you woke up, or maybe it was last night if you're super prepared and not like me, you got up and you decided in your closet what you were going to wear. Now, whether it was some, the only thing clean, I don't know. But you chose what you have on today. And some people are going, and that's what's wrong with it. You picked it out. Like, it looks terrible. I don't know. But like, you picked it out. And in the same regard, spiritually speaking, we are to choose certain things that we are going to put on. And Paul begins to go into that. Because see, God's not just simply called us to just be his people. That, that we're just to, to, to pray a prayer, to get saved, and then live how you want to live. We actually have a responsibility to live this life, not how we see fit, but how God sees fit. We're supposed to represent him in this world. You're not in and of yourself because everywhere you go, if you're a Christian, if you're a professing Christian with your mouth, people are seeing and watching you. They see that you are a Christ follower. And a lot of times the problem and the reason why people don't want to be Christians is that they've met Christians. They've had interaction with Christians. They've had business dealings with Christians. Christians. They've had interactions with Christians that were not acting like Christians and therefore they gave Jesus a negative image. And that's what we've got to be aware of. We've got to be understanding that it's very important because our identity is in Christ, no doubt about it. But it also carries with it a responsibility for each and every one of us to choose what not to wear, what we're not going to wear, and what we're going to put on. And so the first thing that I want to give you today, if you've got your notes or you're taking notes with me, is that I want you to take off judgment and put on mercy. Paul said it in Colossians 3.12, just a few verses later. He said, so since God chose you to be his holy people that he loves, you must. It's not an option. Like you don't get to pick it. It's not a la carte. Like this is not a, a, a virtue buffet. Like you just, I'll take a little bit of that and a little bit of that. I really don't like that. Like you, you must Clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy. That I don't have the option. Like, I would love to cast judgment on you for how you act, for how you treated me, for what you said, what I saw on Facebook. I've, saw, I've seen this, and I would love to just sum you up, put a box and a bow on you, and just say, that's who you are. Know a fruit by, mow a tree by the fruit that you see. I'd love it. But God said, it's not my job to judge you. He said that it's not my job. Paul said it like this in Romans 14, 13. He said, therefore, let us stop judging or stop passing judgment on one another. 
What would the church look like if we stopped passing judgment on one another? Because like, I've got a newsflash for you. I know this is gonna be a, a super big letdown for some of you, but God is not gonna call on you when he gets to your neighbor and he's finally judging your neighbor in eternity, in the grand courtroom of eternity. He's not gonna say, time out, time out. Cameron lived next to this guy. Let's get him up here. He knows, he knows about this guy. And I'm not gonna be like, thank you, God. Appreciate you. It's my boy. God, he ain't been good. I know. I've been watching his trash for years. Like, God's not going to call on you. He's not going to ask you what you think about somebody else. I mean, me and you are going to be in the corner waiting on our judgment like this. And if Jesus don't step forward and say, hey, he's with me, we're in trouble. If when it comes time for me to stand before God as the righteous judge, if Jesus, the Son of God, don't step forward, step in between me and God and say, he's with me. I'm not going through the gates. And neither are you. So see, I don't have any judgment to pass towards you. All I'm called to do is give you mercy. It's to extend mercy to you. See, we're to extend mercy the parable of the, the Pharisee and the tax collector, Jesus told the story, remember in Luke chapter 18, he tells the story and the tax collector or the Pharisees praying the loud, obnoxious prayer where everybody can hear it. And he's saying, thank God I'm not like the uh, other people. And he's doing this, you know, I'm sure. And he's like, the other people who are cheaters and sinners and adulterers and I am not like this tax collector. And you know, he's like, I mean, obviously, it, it, it's like, I get the point, like tax collector. You know, his head's down. Jesus continues to tell the story. He said, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He was sorrowful. And he said that the tax collector prayed this prayer. He said, oh God, be merciful to me. Oh God, be merciful to me. And Jesus said, this was the takeaway. I tell you the truth, that this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. See, we don't know. We don't know. We don't get to choose. Jesus said it in Matthew 7, 1. He said, do not judge or you too will be judged. See, God's called us to be merciful. He said it on the Sermon of the Mount, the greatest sermon of all time. He said, blessed are the merciful. Why? Because they're going to receive mercy. You see, it's the boomerang effect. When I throw out mercy, guess what comes back to me? Mercy. When I throw out judgment, guess what comes back to me? Judgment. James said it this way, there will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. I want the second half of that verse, not the first half. See, we gotta take off judgment, put on mercy, but not only that, we gotta take off rudeness and put on kindness. I, we gotta take off rudeness and put on kindness. It, it's, it's long over, overdone. Listen, we're, we're done with customer service. Like I, apparently it is gone. Like it is gone. It's gone the way of the dodo. Like it is gone. Like it, it, there is, it is customer no service. Like that's what we have, like customer no service department. Like, I mean, and they're like, you're privileged. You're lucky I answered the phone and I'm not gonna do anything to help you. Like, I mean, it's just the way it is. Like, that's, that is the norm of the day. But what if, don't you love it when you walk into a place and somebody's kind to you? 
that there actually is customer service. That somebody seemingly is happy that you decided to spend your hard-earned money in their overpriced store. Like, aren't you thrilled? And shouldn't we extend a lot of that kindness towards those people? We should take off the rudeness. I mean, you walk in so many times and it's like, you're lucky to get to shop here. Like, I mean, it, it's that you're a blessed to get to spend your money here. I mean, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. But see, Paul said we must clothe ourselves with tenderhearted mercy. And then he said, and kindness. Ronald Reagan said it like this. He said, we can't help everyone, but everyone can help someone. Andy Stanley said, do for one what you wish you could do for all. We could do for one. You could, oh, I can't help everybody, so that just means I'll help nobody. Like, no, do for one what you wish you could do for them all. Jesus said it like this. He said, treat people the same way that you want to be treated. Imagine that. Imagine that we, as the people of God, treated other people. Oh, well, I'll treat them good if they treat me good first. I tell you what, though, if they don't, I ain't treating them nice. That's not what it says. I hate it, but he didn't say, if they meet all of your requirements, comma, treat people the same way you want to treat them, to treat you. That's not what it says. I wish I could rewrite it. I wish I could rewrite a lot of stuff because it plows my corn. But he just said, hey, treat them like you want to be treated. So we've got to take off rudeness and put on kindness. But number three, we've got to take off arrogance and put on humility. Man, there is no place for arrogance among the people of God. Paul said in Colossians 3 and verse 12, he goes on, he said, you must clothe yourselves with mercy, with kindness, with humility. I'd like to ask every one of us to step forward and name all the things that you have done in and of yourself apart from God. I'd like for you to go ahead and begin to name all the accomplishments that you have had in your life apart from God. Because see, what I know is the very breath that you're breathing is from God. So let him take his hand off of you and let's see what you're able to do. Die. Congratulations. Put that on your resume. I'm a dead man. Like we know that he was saying, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Remember the story Jesus is telling him, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And he said, hey, it's like the vine and the branches, break it off. He said, apart from me, you can do. Put that on your resume. I have accomplished nothing. See, we can do nothing. We have no place for arrogance. We have no place for self-worth that like, I have done a lot in my lifetime. Like there's none of that. There's no room for it in the people of God. We must humble ourselves. We must decrease and he must increase. We must talk more and more and more about all that God has done. If you see anything good in me today, glorify God because he's worthy. I am nothing. I am a failure. I cannot succeed apart from God. If there's success in my life, it's because God put his hand on it. And the second he takes his hand off of it, it's failure, epic failure. And it's the same in your life. It's not because you're smart. Who gave you the wisdom to be smart? Who gave you the fortitude, the knowledge, the capability to be smart? My daddy. Are you really? Then you're not as smart as I thought you were. You're actually dumb. God gave it to you. 
See, we got to take off arrogance and put on humility. St. Augustine, who I thought was a grass for a long time, actually said this. <laughs> He's a theologian, I should have known. 400 AD, he said this. He said, it was pride that changed angels into de devils. Pride. What's pride doing you? Destroys you. It destroys you. Nothing repels God more than pride. He said, it's pride that changed angels into devils, and it's humility that makes men as angels. See, when we humble ourselves, God can exalt us. But if we exalt ourselves, God has to humble us. But see, we've got to take off arrogance and put on humility. Paul said it like this. He said, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Rick Warren, the pastor of Saddleback Church, he said, humility isn't denying your strengths. It's being honest about your weaknesses. What if we were transparent? What if the church actually took the word of God and believed it? That if we confess our faults one to another, we could be healed? The problem with that verse is, I've got to confess my faults. You mean I can't confess my successes? Confess your successes one to another and be perturbed with your friends. That's really the rest of that verse. Like, tell your friends all you're good at and they'll be mad at you and they don't want to be your friend. But if we'll confess our faults one to another, the Bible says we'll be healed. What if the church was transparent and actually admitted that they don't have it all together, that they're working through it just like everybody else, that they're imperfect and were it not for the grace of God, we won't make it. Even our best is just like filthy rags in God's sight, that I need Jesus and every day I am working, I am trying, I'm trying to be holy and righteous just as he's called me to be, but I am failing every day, but I keep getting back up. I keep running back to Jesus. What if the church was transparent? Don't look to me. Look to Jesus. Don't follow somebody else. Don't follow somebody on TV. Follow Jesus. He's the only one worthy to be followed. No one else. No one. No one has the way. He said, I am the way. I am the way. See, we've got to take take off the arrogance, put on humility. But not only that, we got to take off aggressiveness and put on gentleness. Now this rubs me all kinds the wrong way. I get just aggressive thinking about it. I have to take it off. Paul goes on. He, he says, you know what? He said, you got to clothe yourself with mercy, with kindness, with humility, and with gentleness. And I'm like, there's no place for gentleness. Like, I, I mean, you know, like it's the early bird that gets the worm. Like, you know, there's, there's all those good quotes about get up and go, fight. Like, go, climb higher, achieve, run. Like, there's all those things. And I can pull a million verses that tell you to be aggressive and go for it. But then it tells me to be gentle when I deal with people. I'm like, what? Like, they just need to admit it and move on. Let's get it. And he said, be gentle. That it matters, that, that listen, that, that how we treat other people, it matters that we approach them with gentleness, with a calm spirit, with a stillness, with a quietness. Over the last three years, the article read that Americans, 
Americans are seemingly more angry and more aggressive than ever before. We have seen deep anger and aggression towards elected officials, leading to violence and rioting throughout our country and even inside the halls of our own Congress. There is anger and aggression towards politicians from both sides of the aisle, both for what they have done and for what they have not done. Anger rages every time we pay record prices for all of our goods and services because of severe inflation. We have seen our country erupt into the worst civil unrest in decades after the death of George Floyd and anger concerning police brutality. At the same time, we're all dealing with anger and aggression provoked by the never-ending coronavirus pandemic and its negative effects on our country and on our world. Anger and aggression, it says, seems to be our response towards anyone or anything that doesn't line up and go the way that we want it to go. You see, God's called us to be different. God's called his people to be different. And I'm sorry. Like, I know it's easier just to merge in with traffic and to go with the flow and just, if they're screaming at you, scream back. Like, that's just what's normal. That's what everybody's going to expect you to do. But what happens when we say, no, I'm going to stop. I know I got 15 things I could say, and I know I could rip you apart, but that's not what God's called me to do. I'm gonna just hold my tongue. I'm gonna stop because it's not about me. Because see, every time I come to my own defense, God says, you got it, you got it, you can have it. But see, God wants me and you to be gentle, to be calm. Solomon said it like this. He said, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise bring healing. Paul said, let your gentleness be evident to all. That it's not optional. It's supposed to be obvious to all people that we are quick to listen and slow to speak. See, we got to take off aggressiveness, put on gentleness. But not only that, number five, we got to take off frustration and put on patience. <sighs> it frustrates me that Paul put that in there. <laughs> you know, he said he, he's doing this list. It's like murderer's row list. It's like, I'm going to give you a bunch of things that you're going to struggle with. All right, you got to clothe yourselves with mercy and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Like, great. Like, as if it wasn't enough with everything else I had going on in my life, I got to be patient with people. Like, I got to be patient with people. I, I can't understand that. I don't understand. It just irritates me, just people. And if people don't irritate you, you just obviously you live in a hole somewhere. It, it's the humanity about people that irritates us. It's the fact that we're all alike. We're all doing the same things. We're all struggling in the same ways. But Paul told us what it looks like in verse 13, the very next verse after this. He says, make allowance for each other's faults. Guess what? People are going to have faults. Newsflash. I know. You're like, I already knew that. Well, you do too. You have faults too. And what is our job? We're supposed to make room for that. We make an allowance for it. We say, you know what? I was already expecting you to have a fault in your life. And so I'm not going to hold you to a standard that you can't achieve. I'm not going to put you up on some pedestal that you can't hold. I'm going to let you off the hook. I'm making an allowance for you. 
I know you're going to let me down. And then he leads right into this. He says, and forgive anyone who offends you. Guess what? You're going to get offended. Like that's not, no. When people offend me, I'm supposed to rant on Facebook. I'm supposed to tell the world how I feel. Justify myself and how wrong they are. But he said, listen, no, I've got to forgive them. I wish, hey, it would be great if he were to say, comma, right here it said, forgive anyone if they have said they were sorry and really deserve your forgiveness. Like, it would be wonderful, but he didn't put that. I would love to help Paul. I'm like, Paul, you, listen, you, you missed some stuff here. Like, I, man, you did a great job in a lot of spots, but there's a couple things you missed out right here. Like, you don't realize how bad people are. And like, they don't say I'm sorry. Like, and if they don't say I'm sorry, we don't have to forgive them, right? No, he didn't say it. He didn't say like, if, if, if everything goes like you want it to go and they come back and they're, draw, they're dragging themselves back to you saying how sorry they are, we gotta forgive them. Because see, here's the problem. For when we hold on to that bitterness, that unforgiveness, it just destroys us. They're not somewhere going around going, oh, I hope they forgive me. But you, on the other hand, it's destroying you. And we've got to decide, I've got to let go of the frustration that I have towards people, towards a specific person, towards individuals, and I have got to have patience because they are just like me. I've got to make an allowance for their faults. I've got to forgive them because I know they're going to offend me. Why? And he said that too. It's like he knew we were going to struggle right here. And he said, remember, remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And there you go with that. Take that. So every time I'm not wanting to forgive you, God goes, remember, hey moron, I forgave you. Like that's what, I feel like God calls me moron, like a lot of times. Like, I feel like that's the way he knows you gotta get through to me. Like, thick skull. You know, it's like, hey, remember I forgave you? Cameron, you, you know all the times that you've let me down, all the times that you've done things you shouldn't have done, and I've been long-suffering, I've been patient, I've made an allowance for you, I've forgiven you even before you even I asked. I, I went to the cross and died before you had even committed any sins or said I'm sorry for any of them. I'd already forgiven you. I already made an allowance for you. And he said, listen, because I did it for you, you got to do it for others. That's the garment that my people will put on. They will put on forgiveness and patience towards other people because the Lord forgave us. Paul said it like this in Ephesians 4, 31. He said, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. God for Christ's sake forgave you. It wasn't even on for your own sake. It was for Christ's sake he forgave you. You see, we've got to take off frustration and put on patience. But lastly, we've got to take off hate and put on love. I, listen, the world we live in is filled with hatred. It seems to be the response for everything that is different than we are. If anything is different from the way that we are, we hate it. 
and we push away from it. And God said, listen, we got it. When we're dealing with people, their soul is too important. Now, I'm not talking about embracing sin. This is not some soft gospel about let's love sin and let's just all go along to get along and let's just love everybody. That's not what we're talking about. He's saying strip off your sinful nature. But he's saying, listen, when it comes to people, when it comes to interacting with your brothers and sisters, when it comes with interacting with the world and they're looking to see what Jesus looks like, you've got to extend love to them, unconditional love for them. Not loving and embracing their sins, but you love the person. You love the person and you love them and you love them all the way back to God. Because it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. It's the goodness. God's so good that he loves you even in spite of you. Even in spite of you. Paul said it this way in Colossians chapter 3 verse 14. He said, and above all, if you mess up all the other things I just gave you, clothe yourselves with love. Why? Because it binds us all together in unity. See, it's the supreme value, the supreme virtue for every one of us. It's what mercy and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience, if you wrap it up with love, you've got something strong. There wouldn't be a seat in God's house any Sunday of the year if God's people did these things. People would want Jesus. People would want what we have. So many times they don't want what we've had because they've seen what we got. They've seen us when somebody cuts us off in traffic and we're like, California howdy. They've seen us when we've run into situations and we've responded just like everybody else. We gave them the business. But God said, listen, you got to take off hate and put on love. Peter said it like this. He said, above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Why? Because love covers a multitude of sins. You love your children and they could do nothing. You love your grandchildren and they could do no wrong. They could do nothing that would cause you to stop loving them. It's the same way it's supposed to be for everybody. We're all brothers and sisters. And we're supposed to extend it to our neighbors. What if the church looked like that? Jesus said it this way in Matthew 22. He said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, period. And I wished it would just stop right there and all God's people said, amen. We're just gonna love God. That's what matters. It's what the good book says. Gonna love God. You mind your own business, pass that. But see, he went on. He added something to it. And he said this. He said, a second one is equally important. And he told us to love our neighbor as ourselves. Are you kidding me? Like, do you know my neighbor? Like, I don't love my neighbor like I love me. Like, I have a hard time loving other people like I love me. Like I, w I, was in my, I was in my yard yesterday. I was cutting the grass. And, and this is side note, random tangent. But I, I had a weed eater and, and apparently it was flooded. I don't know anything about mechanical anything. So I called somebody. He's like, it's flooded. You got to just pull it and pull it and do these things or whatever. It didn't work. I was putting on the coat of frustration. Clearly. So I'm pulling and pulling and pulling. I, I, I mean, like literally doing that, my chest is sore. Like, 
I need to work out or something. So I'm pulling and I'm pulling and I'm pulling and I tear the skin on my baby finger right here. And I wanted to throw the weed eater as far as I could throw it. I dropped it. I put my finger, you know, out. And I, and, and I just, my whole body was concerned about this. I got a Band-Aid on it today. <laughs> because just under that Band-Aid, it hurts. And I put a little antibiotic cream on it to help it get better. Because I don't like to hurt. And he told me to treat you just like that. That when you're hurt, I'm supposed to run to you and baby you? I don't baby nobody, except me. I baby me, but I ain't babying a grown man, unless it's me. But I'm supposed to love on you. I'm supposed to love you like you're me. What if the church did that? What if God's people, everywhere they went, they just loved on people. They just loved on people and loved on people and loved on people and loved them all the way to the kingdom. Because people would say, that is peculiar. We're called to be peculiar people. And they would say, that's peculiar. That's strange. I want some of what that guy's got. I want some of what that girl's got. I saw how they ripped her apart on Facebook and she didn't respond like that. I saw something different. I want what she's got. And it would give us the opportunity to say, all I've got is Jesus. That's all I've got is Jesus. And he's for you. And he's for you. And he's for you. And he's for you. He's for everybody. Because see, if we don't have love, we don't have God. Because God is love. And we've got to intentionally, every day choose. I'm going to take off judgment. It's not my place. And I'm going to put on mercy. Oh, I'm going to extend mercy because I need mercy. I'm going to extend it to you and to you and to you. And the more you know me, you're like, boy, you need some mercy. And I'm going to keep giving it away. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to keep forgiving. I'm going to keep on being kind as I can be. And then when I don't feel like being kind, I'm going to just try to get away from all of you. Because I, I ran out of my kindness coat. And I'm going to try to be gentle. Because God knows I want to speak in a hurry. I want to say, I, I'm often wrong and never in doubt. As my wife says, I got something to say about everything. And half of it's garbage. But you know, I didn't need an amen. I mean, there's spots to amen and then there's spots to not amen. Man. But I need patience. And I need love. And I ask you, do you know what not to wear? We all know it's what's natural for us. Isn't that terrible? What's easy, what's common, what feels good, take it off. Because you gotta put on something else and you can't do it apart from the Holy Spirit. 
You can't do it apart from the power of God. So if you don't have it or you're struggling with it, you know what you need? More of Jesus. You need more of Jesus. You better run and get closer to Jesus because the further you get from him, the more you stink. And you need more of Jesus. So I tell you today, hey, this ain't about fashion. But Paul said we gotta clothe ourselves with some things specifically, intentionally. Our world needs to see the church making room for people's faults. Our world needs to see the church forgiving somebody for offending us. Our world needs to see these virtues now more than ever before. And if we will show them these virtues of Christ, they will say, I want what you have. And we can say, I have Jesus. I have Jesus. And that's what makes all the difference. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Rock Springs Church. If you would like more information about Rock Springs, be sure to follow us on social media or connect with us at rockspringsonline.com. Join us right here next week for another message from Rock Springs Church.